Good morning. I'd like to draw an exhortation this morning from Psalm 95. If you'd turn there this morning, Psalm 95, let me read the first seven verses. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Amen. This is an interesting psalm. It's a praise psalm, but it comes to a screeching halt in verse 7, doesn't it, where it comes out with this strong exhortation, which is repeated over and over again, three to four times in Hebrews chapter 2 and 3. So it's, it's this lesson for, for those of the Old Testament and those of us here in the New Testament. And as we come into worship this morning, we're here to worship God, amen? As we come into worship this morning... Uh, this exhortation is still important for us, uh, that our hearts are warmed to the worship of God. Sometimes on cold days, you've got to warm up a little bit, and hopefully we're going to warm up a little bit to God's worship this morning. So, what are the things that get in the way of worshiping God? How is it that we sometimes are taken to hardening our hearts Well, for one thing, there are many false gods, a lot of false gods in the world out there. So when we come into worship, we've come out of Babylon, we've come out of this world where there's just all these diversions, all this media spending a great deal of time in the temples of Dagon and Baal. So if you're, you know, hanging out in the temples of Dagon and Baal or these other false gods of of the heathen... And you come into worship, sometimes there's a little bit of a challenge for us. Because what media does for us is it provides alternate stories or myths or alternate gods, alternate heroes. uh, And especially uh, in the area of uh, science fiction and fantasy. So, So now, since the media is produced by those who do not know God it often is distracting us and diverting us from the worship of God. It, uh, it takes us away from God's reality, uh, the way God defines things. We don't really begin to see the world through the eyeglasses of God's word, but through the eyeglasses of all these other worldviews that are around us. So, so we want to be careful that we're not distracted this morning by the alternate uh, fictional realities that are presented or narratives that are presented around us. Uh, the focus often turns to ourselves, to self. So you, you, you can find yourself diverting to your own thinking, your own mind, your own perception of yourself. 
uh, to demons, to, to other people, to other things besides God and his reality. Sometimes the focus turns towards uh, the bad news. You know, we get too focused in upon uh, sin, upon other people's sins, the evil in the world, or whatever it may be. Or uh, our focus may turn towards money, towards position, or towards busyness. But what we find here in this verse, Psalm 95 and verse 8, is that the real issue is with the heart. It's the hardening of the heart towards God. This is also a primary concern that our Lord had towards the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 15, they were very meticulous on their forms of worship. But he says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So the problem with the Pharisees was the problem of the heart. They had their... their Forms dialed in pretty well. They tithed of their mint, anise, and cumin. They had all these sort of forms worked out. But they were not really worshiping God out of a heart of love for him. So now we come to the admonition. Verse 7, today if you will hear his voice. So the first thing we need to do this morning is to hear the voice of God. Uh, Psalm 29 speaks of God's voice coming in uh, very strong and breaking the cedars of Lebanon and bringing in his authoritative word that uh, raises the dead and, uh, and, and calls what is not into being by simply stating it. Uh, so you, we have to first hear the voice of God in his authority and his power. So that's the first thing. As we read the word of God this morning... Uh, you, you need to hear God speaking to you, that this is God speaking to each and every one of us. God's word is relevant, it's personal, it, he's directing it precisely to you this morning. Uh, even as he speaks the word to you know everybody gathered in this room, he's speaking it directly to you and to, to me. The word comes across as relevant. It's exactly the word that he wants for you today. And uh, he, he wants you to hear it as, as the word is read. Uh, the word is urgent as well. It has urgency to it. It's illuminating. It turns the lights on. It shines like the sun into our souls. And so it, it speaks to what we did not know or that which we had mistakenly believed. And it addresses us uh, in its truth and it realigns our perspectives this morning. So the word of God comes strong. It breaks the hearts of men and it breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Now, but you can block the light. You can block the light of it. You can cover your eyes. You can hide. You can avoid it. You can distract yourself. Or, or you can listen. And of course, on the Mount of Transfiguration, God speaks to the apostles, to disciples there, and he has one word to say to them. He said, well, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he says, well, now listen to him. Hear him. So these are the two words. Actually, the voice of God doesn't come audibly too many times in Scripture, only uh, four or five times. And uh, you find it on the Mount Sinai, and you also find it at Jesus' baptism. And then you find it on the Mount of Transfiguration, where God only has uh, two words for you, and that is to listen. He wants you to listen. It's the one thing he wants. Uh, so, you know, if God speaks, everybody should listen. Amen. E.F. Hutton speaks, you know, they say everybody should be listening to him. But really, if God speaks, if God has something to say, if really just a short little thing to say, 
uh, then you probably should write it down on the back of your hand or something so you'd remember what he has to say. So the thing that God wants you to do this morning is to, is to hear Jesus, to hear the word of God. That's the most important thing for us. And then secondly, the second thing we take from verse 8 after we are hearing his voice is to harden not your heart as they hardened their hearts in the wilderness. Uh, Now it's also interesting that Pharaoh hardened his heart and the very next thing that happens is the children of Israel hardened their hearts uh, toward the message that God brought his redempting power over Israel. uh, That he was, you know, redeeming Israel from Pharaoh. Uh, so there it is, Pharaoh hardened his heart, and then God uh, completely overwhelms Pharaoh, redeems his people, and then the very next thing that happens is God's people harden their hearts towards God in the wilderness. So what, what is this hardening? What, what is this? Uh, it's a hardening uh, towards God, it's a hardening towards his word, and it's a hardening towards his works. I'll call it a resistance, just a, just a resistance and unwillingness to receive a... Um, uh, probably a bad attitude towards God and His Word. Um, these are the people who hear the Word of God and they don't say amen and they don't say ouch either way. Uh, so, you know, it's just they're, they're just trying to prevent themselves from hearing uh, the Word of God. They, they hide themselves. They harden themselves to God's Word. And so what was it when Pharaoh hardened his heart towards God? Well, he hardened his heart towards God's command. That's the first thing that happened. God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no way. So, so that's the first thing. So there's a resistance to the word of God. But I would say also, it is a hardening of the heart towards the works of God. Because remember, what, what God is doing is bringing his judgments down upon Egypt. And so as God brings the ten plagues down, he wipes out Egypt, uh, overwhelms uh, them at the Red Sea, etc., etc. But even with the ten plagues, uh, Pharaoh continues to harden his heart, even to the very end. After God destroyed the firstborn in Egypt, Pharaoh still hardened his heart towards God and, uh, and continued his attack uh, upon God and his plan and his purpose for the people of Israel. So when God presents his judgments or God presents his word, the response of the hardened heart is effectively this, that's no big deal. So that's what happens. That's, that's how it works. It distracts, yes. It refuses to hear. Fingers in the ear. Not willing to receive. All these blocks allowed. Diversions allowed, etc., etc. But also, there is a willful resistance to what God is saying and what God is doing and what God has done. There is this calcification of the heart that is going on here in the life of Pharaoh. Now, it turns out it was a big deal. God destroying Egypt, undermining the leadership by destroying the firstborn in Egypt, and then going on and and, and utterly decimating the armies of Egypt resulted in the Hyksos or the uh, Amalekites ruling and, and really oppressing Pharaoh or oppressing Egypt for the next 430 years until they were delivered by King Saul. Uh, so there was a 430-year oppression that came down upon the Egyptians as the Hyksos ruled over that period of time. So it really was a big deal. The destruction of Egypt was a big deal. But Pharaoh kept saying it's not a big deal. The same thing when we talk about God's judgments. You know, God brings his judgments down upon nations. Still, God will bring his judgments down upon those who won't repent of their sins 
and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they will burn in hell forever. But the response of, of those who harden their hearts, are, well, now see the pastor is bringing his fire and brimstone message again. And there's this willful hardening of the hearts. There isn't this bowling over effect. There isn't this, this reception of the word. Rather, there's this calcification of the heart that happens as the pastor points out the judgments of God upon the nations. This is exactly what happened to Pharaoh. And so, as, as, as we study God's word and we bring it out, we just declare the gospel of Jesus coming to save us from our sins and overcoming the problem of death and the resurrection and stuff, we, we are not to respond, well, that's no big deal. You see, that's the hardening of the heart. When, when we come back and say, well, forget this, we've heard this before, this is old news, this isn't really that important, this doesn't excite me, this doesn't thrill me, I don't want to lean into this. When that happens, uh, then, then we've got this hardening or the calcification of the heart going on. So as, as we hear about the resurrection of Jesus, as we hear about the gospel, as we discover that Jesus really did come, he overcame death, he crushed the head of the serpent at the cross, we say, hallelujah. Amen. Good riddance to the devil. And, and we, we are to soften our hearts to God. So let's, let's just consider that this morning, this softening, this tenderizing of, of your heart and my heart uh, to the message, to God's word, to God's promises, to the mercies of God. So the first thing we do is we hear it. The second thing we do is we accept the message in faith, we, we absorb the truth, we, we bask in it a bit, we, we, we meditate upon it a little bit, we, we let it sink in a little bit, that this, this is the truth of God, this, this has really happened. Maybe we go back to the Red Sea and see the dead bloated bodies of Pharaoh's armies, but, but we're going to see that Jesus has won this thing and, and, and we're going to believe it and we're going to wake up to the reality of it. That we have been redeemed. That we've been saved. And Jesus did it. It's, it's over. He's risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And we will rise as well. So, brothers and sisters, let's, uh, let's consider the, the mercies of God this morning. That God came to those who are infinitely deserving of his wrath and curse. We were undeserving of any of his mercies, and yet he brought his infinite mercy upon us. He put the creator upon the cross. He gave up his only begotten son for us on the cross. Nothing could be more thrilling. Nothing could be more humbling. Nothing could be more exalting. Nothing could be more exciting. Nothing could be more powerful than these messages of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's hear it again. Amen? Let's, let's re- prepare our hearts again to hear the good news of the gospel one more time and that this news is the best news ever and if we haven't quite seen how good it is we need to see a little more of the holiness of God and the dreadfulness of our sin and the unworthiness of sinners like us and and the the greatness of the mercies of God showing grace to sinners like us and, and bringing about a great redemption for us unworthy sinners and yet uh, Jesus has made us his worthy sons and daughters in the family of God by his death and by his resurrection. He gives us his life, and now he reigns as well. Just, just the fact that Jesus reigns, he's king of kings and lord of lords. 
He's ultimately successful in overcoming his enemies. And he will reconcile all things to himself. So all of these things. And God has created uh, all of these things. And this is what we read in the psalm this morning. It's just, oh come, let us sing to the Lord. The sea is his. He made it. His hands formed the dry land. The Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's ultimately sovereign. He's ultimately holy. He's ultimately successful in all that he does and all that he's going to do. And he's ultimately glorious and majestic. And, And then we see the majesty of God and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And these things raise us up out of the dust, out of the dirt. So we see something glorious, something praiseworthy. And then we want to explode in this praise and this worship this morning. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We have softened our hearts this morning. We have received the Word of God this morning. We are exalting in the thrilling message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Already our hearts are not hardened. They're not calcified, but they're softened to this beautiful message of the mercy of God and the glory of God to the praise of Jesus Christ today and forever and ever. Amen. Let us take a moment now confess our sins to the Lord, we'll kneel down in humility before Him, so appropriate to just bow down. If you can't kneel down, just bow your head, but let's all kneel down and, uh, and, and pray this prayer of confession together uh, to our, our God, our merciful God who receives our confessions. Let's, let's say this together, brothers and sisters. Great God of creation, we confess that we have failed to appreciate rightly your eternal power and divine nature, even though they can be clearly seen through what has been made. Nor have we perceived and praised you properly for the grace, wisdom, mercy, and love you have demonstrated in our redemption. We ask your forgiveness for Jesus' sake and pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts more and more not only to see your glory in creation and redemption, but to respond more fully in worship, love, and obedience. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen.